everyone. This is Steve Marinucci, Beatles Examiner, welcoming you to another in our weekly talk fest, Things We Said Today, where we talk about anything Beatles-related, past, present, and to come, because we all know what's coming in the future, right? Um, let me introduce my three co-hosts um, from uh, across the country. First up in Maine... We have uh, our musicologist, Mr. Alan Cozen. Uh, hello, Alan. Hey, Steve. Hello, everyone. And in going down the East Coast, we have in Connecticut, we have the host of the Beatles show, Every Little Thing, Ken Michaels. Hello, Ken. Hey, Steve. Hi, everybody. And down in Pennsylvania, we have the number three, we have the writer and actually is an executive editor for Beatle Fan Magazine. Right. Um, that's that's the title. Yeah. That's the title. Executive <laughs> editor. That must mean you're old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you got uh, Mr. Al Sussman. Good evening, Al. Hi, Steve. Hello there, everybody. Okay. We're going to have a little bit of fun tonight. We, um, Actually, this I have to take credit or blame for this idea. We uh, actually it came it kind of came off the Beatlesque show last week, which we got a ton of of uh, comments about. For which we thank you. I mean, we had so many comments from you guys, and we really appreciate them all. There were so many suggestions. I think somebody said smithereens. We didn't mention. Yes, that's true. We didn't mention yeah. smithereens. We, there were just so many things. We could have mentioned and didn't. I mean, we'd have, we, we'd have been here all day if we'd have, if we'd have mentioned everything. Mm-hmm. But in any event, we we thank you for all the comments and please keep them coming and we love them. That's all we can that's all we can say. But anyway, this week coming off of that, we were going to uh, talk about our favorite Beatle cover songs and albums, favorite um, versions of the Beatles done by other people, and. To that end, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna I'm gonna um, talk about a story that came out today. Actually, Liverpool released a, uh, a report about how much money the Beatles generate for them every year, and the astonishing amount was 81.9 million, million pounds, which is 118 million U.S. dollars a year. And that's just in Liverpool alone. We're not talking – somebody pointed out to me on Facebook. They said, can you imagine British dollars? And I I said, no. I mean that's – if that is um, Liverpool, I mean imagine what it's like for for the UK. But I mean that's incredible. And, you know, and they – the report goes through the, you know, the – the details of uh, British uh, fandom, our Beatle fandom, and you know, had the the market for Beatle fans and everything. But that that's really uh, amazing. You guys get a, a reaction. I know you guys have not seen the report, but you do you have a reaction to to the story? I think it's extraordinary. I mean, that is an awful lot of money, and mm-hmm. um, here it is, fifty or for 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 the. For the Brits, it's like 53 years after, 54 years after the Beatles became a, a national thing, more than that for people in Liverpool. But, you know, the thing is, <clears throat> Liverpool has a, a very developed Beatles industry at this point. And mm-hmm. it's um, given, you know, if you, you, you we've all read Mark's book and we sort of got the impression of basically Liverpool was – more or less sort of a loser city, and particularly after the war. I mean, it had nothing going for it, and, you know, and, and the Beatles have, you know, obviously given it something. Um, I think that's, I think there's something poetic about that. And for many years, they didn't. No. That's the, what's really amazing. That's ahead, true. Al. Yeah, by the, if you go back to the mid-80s, there really was not much of a presence of, you know, of, you um, historical references to the Beatles. You know, there were a couple of bus tours here and there mm-hmm. and there and a, you know, just a few things, but there was actually very little. It was only uh uh maybe in like at the very end of the 80s and then into the 90s that they that the city finally kind of said, "Oh, wait a minute. Yes, this is something we need to really kind of take advantage of, if you will." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when the Beatles were still a going concern, they took down the Cavern Club in 1966. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, there we go. Yeah, mm. I mean that's a that's a big uh, uh, you know uh, thing right there. I mean, it's it's amazing that 
that happened and and you know and uh you know and and, and they learn from that you have to you know you have to say so. yeah it takes a while for anything to be recognized as having historical value People don't realize it as it's happening. And, you know, like I've said many times here on the show, when the Beatles were around, they had no idea their music would be played 50 years later. Right. Or, you know, that they would be just be growing in stature mm-hmm. year after year after year. Nobody thinks about that while it's happening. So it's only years later when you realize, hey, you know, we've got the city of Liverpool here. Mm-hmm. We've got many of their homes. Sure. <laughs> you know, we've got all these landmarks here. And one of the great things, and you were even alluding to this in our last show, Alan, when you go to the cavern, that whole area is loaded with Beatle landmarks. Yeah. There's so many things that you could see within just a few blocks of each other. Mm-hmm. So um, all of a sudden, tours were developed. And it's not just the end of August, because they always have that one big festival at the end of August <laughs> right. um, every single year. But they have tours going on throughout the year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's really exciting and it's great to see. Just like, um, you know, anything that gets built up over the years like Graceland has been. Right. You know, but with uh, with Liverpool, it's it's the same thing. But there's so many landmarks where Liverpool is concerned. And then you've also got London, too, and anything connected to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So. Right. They've, they've, already, they've already announced uh, the big thing is August, uh, the International Beatles Week. The list of guests has been announced, and they've got some, they've got some really – Good people, a few people we know: uh, Mickey Dolenz, Billy J. Kramer, Patty Boyd, Lawrence Juber, Andy Peebles, uh, which is interesting after what Andy Peebles said about uh, Yoko, uh, Jurgen Vollmer, uh, Paul Denoyer, Mark Hudson, Horst Fasher, Johnny Hamp, Jenny Boyd, Terry Sylvester. It's going to be a, that's going to be a great lineup. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's do a live show from there right now. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that was that was uh, one thing, and then the other thing that um, was uh, interesting this week was the story I did that uh, the um, the love show in Vegas is being revamped. Um, it's it's dark right now until the twenty fifth, and I know of they, February of February, right? And they've been doing. I know George's that George's birthday, right? Mm. And they do they do stuff. All I mean they they've been revising the show. Uh, regularly i know that um because i've talked to other people i've only seen it once but i know that people have who have seen it more than once have told me that and so this is but they're really doing something for the 10-year anniversary and uh, you can probably bet that there's going to be some big party in july when the you know when the real anniversary is and that they will that it'll be a media event and nita i don't need to say more but so that's going to be interesting too and we could spend the whole show talking about love, and maybe we will at some point. But um, it's pretty remarkable that it's that's been around for ten years and still and still standing, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's still this interest. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, considering, yeah the way, you know? considering the way things come and go in Vegas, yeah, that's really that's really true. Um, I know that. Um, I believe when we were there. The Liberace Museum. We went by the Liberace Museum. We didn't get to go in. It was closed. But the, it has since closed permanently. Which I mean, as far as things come and go. When you say when you say didn't get to go in, this, are you suggesting that you wanted to? Well, kind of, sorta. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, what can I say? But in any event, um, that's neither neither here nor there. Um, but in any event, um, we're going to talk about cover albums uh, and cover songs, and I'm going to start with um, Ken. Let's start with you, uh, if you don't. Okay, know. I wrote down a whole bunch of songs in particular. And by the way, there's millions of cover versions. Oh, sure. So there's no way we can talk about all of them, and and we we always encourage all of our listeners to write in and remind us of of some of the ones that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. And um, and and like Steve said, thanks to all of you who wrote in for the Beatlesque show and also for the Black Influences uh, program that we did. Mm-hmm. We, we've got just great reaction to that. We really appreciate when you write to us. And we have been talking about possibly doing a second show on Beatlesque, the Beatlesque theme, because uh, you know it's there's so many artists out there that we forgot to mention. And um, you know, unless you comb through every single one of your records yeah. <laughs> and write it all down, a lot of this is all what we just jotted down in a few hours that we could think of. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to overlook certain ones that are obvious. Like you said, Steve, the Smithereens. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
on my show, I promoted, they did three tribute CDs to the Beatles. Mm, right. Not to mention the fact that so much of their music is influenced by them. They love the Beatles. They're big Beatle freaks. Oh, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, how can you possibly not say the Smithereens? But there you are. There, we did it. I, I think we were <laughs> saying for this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We could, you could. Yeah. But yeah, we, we could do that in this show. That's right. true. Very, okay. very true. Anyway, go ahead, Ken. I'm going to start with the songs. I thought I'd, I wrote down what would be, say, my top five. But I also wrote down a whole bunch of others that I like a lot. Um, I do love um, We Can Work It Out, Stevie Wonder's version that came out uh, back in the... It was 1971, actually, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it was a top 20 hit. When it comes to cover versions, I personally prefer it when artists do their own take on the song and lend their own arrangement to it. Because to me, while it's a lot of work to be able to master what the Beatles did and copy that, it's a lot of talent to do that. I think I just personally appreciate it when artists show their own imagination and do their own arrangement and kind of make it their own in their own style. Mm-hmm. And Stevie Wonder did that with We Can Work It Out. It's a good funky version of that song. Always loved it. And I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan, so that helps. I also put in there, um, <laughs> it's kind of quirky, uh, Robert Palmer's version of Not A Second Time. Yes. Which is not, mm. it's not like the Beatles version at all. Kind of has that synth sound. From when uh, when it was done around 1980, I think it was. I like Robert Palmer a lot. I think he's one of the you know the underrated artists of our time. I also put in there of the more recent ones, um, and there's no way that you can't mention the album that goes with this. But I love. There's a lot of good versions lately that have come out on Across the Universe. I think a lot of people have discovered that song more now and recognize it as a great song. And I love the version that Rufus Wainwright did which is on the I Am Sam soundtrack, which is an album that we have to mention here because... That's um, that's a great album, man. It really is. It's um, for contemporary artists of the time. um, They really uh, bring a freshness and their own arrangements to a lot of great Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a must-buy for all Beatles fans. If you love cover versions and you want something fairly current, although it's not all that current now, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of great artists that were on that that soundtrack there mm-hmm. the wallflowers are on there amy mann and michael penn you know a lot of great artists are on that on right. that uh, soundtrack but i love rufus wainer i love his voice he's got such a unique voice i love his just um the his own arrangement of that song mm-hmm. it's very different from all the other ones that i've heard and i had to put this is like my number two one it was a huge hit back in the 60s but I always love the version that Sergio Mendez did on Fool on the Hill. Oh wow! Sure. Yeah, mm. and um, it's just um, it's it was its own song, its own arrangement there, very different from the Beatle arrangement. Mm-hmm. And um, Lanny Hall, who was the lead singer, I love her voice. I've always loved her voice on all the Sergio Mendez records back then. And for those that don't know, Sergio Mendez used to be on A&M Records, right? Which of course was was uh, owned by Herb Albert, right? right. And uh, Lanny Hall went on to marry Herb Albert. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, and I've seen Herb Albert and Lanny Hall together in concert. Oh, really? Just, yeah. Yeah. They are wonderful together. Oh, I would, but, love, uh, I would love to see them. I would love to see them together. Yeah. And so Sergio Mendez and with Lanny Hall's voice, it kind of lends itself not only to a Latin feel, but semi-jazz, too. Mm. So um, I've always liked that version. It was a top ten hit. Got a lot of airplay. I don't hear it that much now. But I've always loved that version. Didn't didn't he of, do uh, didn't he do that on the um, on the uh, the Beatle tribute the Grammy Beatle tribute? Didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. As I recall, I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was on there, and they and they did that. Yeah. As I recall. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten that. Okay. Good. Good there, Steve. Um, my number one favorite Beatle cover, and this is really ironic, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, in a very sad way. Because um, the person, there was someone who just passed away in this in the last week, and that was Maurice White from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Ah. And I love Earth, Wind, and Fire a lot. I've seen them a lot in concert. They have an incredible body of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what they did in the 70s and the 80s I loved. And uh, I always enjoyed their version of Got to Get You Into My Life. Mm. You talk about... You know, your own take on a song, your own arrangement. They made the song their own. Right. I'm not saying with any of these cover versions that I like them better than the Beatle versions, 
But um, I always loved the mix of the R&B and the jazz that they used in that. It really suited the band well. Mm -hmm. And um, they've performed the song fantastic, you know, fantastically in concert. I've seen them a few times now in concert, and uh, they're a tremendous band to see. So, um, yeah, that's my favorite of all the Beatle covers. Hmm. Wow. I'll mention some other ones that are honorable mentions here. I've, um, Phoebe Snow is one of my favorite singers, yeah. and she was one of the most amazing singers ever, had the greatest range, and uh, she did a fantastic version of, oh, actually, I can't include this, Every Night I put in there, but we're, we're concentrating on just the, uh, the group songs, but she also covered Don't Let Me Down, Yep, and she did a great version on that. Mm-hmm. The Buckinghams yeah. did a version of I'll Be Back, mm-hmm. which is kind of like if you know how the Buckinghams sound and you picture in your head. What it would sound like, it would pretty much be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be back. I, I just love that version that they did back in the 60s. Georgia Satellites did a kick-ass version of Don't Pass Me By. A really, really? rockin' version of that song. Very early on. It might have been on their first album. Mm-hmm. But I played it a lot on my show. And uh, it really works as a rock song, Don't Pass Me By. I like Stanley Jordan, mm-hmm. who, uh, when he first mm-hmm. emerged on the, on the scene... So he's an amazing guitar player, jazz guitar player, and he did this really long version of Eleanor Rigby, which is beyond belief. And if you like jazz and you like different, um, you know, improvisations that are done have been done on Beatle music, you would definitely appreciate what Stanley Jordan did on uh, Eleanor Rigby in particular. Those are the main ones there. Oh, I have to say, Todd Rundgren. <laughs> sure. Todd uh, covered uh, Strawberry Fields Forever and Rain on his album Faithful. Oh, right. Half of, uh, half of that album were faithful arrangements mm-hmm. of songs that he loved. Mm-hmm. And so really and truly, you know, uh, while I just said that I prefer when artists do their own arrangement, I think what Todd did was because of the huge respect he has for the Beatles and for loving those two songs that he felt that, you couldn't change it. You had to do it just the way the Beatles did it. Also, but, I, I think in, in the case of those two songs, you know, if he had chosen easier songs, he might have done wilder arrangement because those, mm. but because those two songs are so bizarrely difficult to do the way the Beatles did them, I think I bet he, I bet he just wanted to do it that way, you know, for that reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very possibly, yeah, and he pulled it off magnificently. Yeah. So uh, I had to mention those. I have a list of albums, but we can talk about those later. No, you can go ahead and mention a couple of the albums. Well, I mentioned I Am Sam, which is Mm -hmm. an absolutely essential uh, um, album. Lawrence Juber has put out a couple of uh, albums on the Beatles. LJ plays the Beatles, the first one, and then volume two. Mm -hmm. And we all know he's just a tremendous guitar player. And I love his acoustic guitar playing. Whatever he brings to Beatles music, it's just, I love hearing instrumental versions and what he does to them, especially the, the, the lesser known Beatles songs, if you want to call them that. I love what he did with uh, Martha My Dear in particular, which I think was on the first one. The three uh, Smithereens tribute CDs, they did a tribute, Meet the Smithereens, mm-hmm. which was a tribute to Meet mm-hmm. the Beatles, mm-hmm. every single song on Meet the Beatles, in the same sequence. They did one called B-Sides the Beatles, which was all B-Sides, but more specifically, American Mm B-Sides. And then they also did the entire Washington Coliseum concert. (laughs) Although they didn't really do it live. They just recreated it as though it was a live (laughs) performance. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Cheap Trick did a a really good album on Sgt. Pepper. They covered the whole Sgt. Pepper album. That was a great great version, too. Um, Speaking of jazz... Haven't listened to it for a while, but I always loved um, The Other Side of Abbey Road. Oh, yeah. George Benson did that. Mm. And uh, really cool. He was on the, the front cover walking across Abbey Road on there. Mm-hmm. Andy Timmons, we've mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. He's a really great guitar player today. Yes. He did an entire uh, tribute to Sgt. Pepper. The Sgt. Pepper soundtrack from the Bee Gees and all the different artists who are on there. There's a lot of versions of Beatles songs that I like on there. Mm-hmm. Always liked what Robin... Uh, Gib did with O'Darlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire is on that. That's where the song came exactly. from, actually. Exactly. I forgot to get into my life. Motown sings the Beatles, mm-hmm. which is more a compilation mm. than anything else. But it's just nice to have all those artists represented mm-hmm. on one album. You know, I loved, uh, in particular, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. 
doing End I Love Her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just nice to have those classic Motown artists on one collection, mm-hmm. whether you like the versions or not, just to package it all together mm. and put it on one album. Right. I like that. Right. So um, those are the ones. Oh, All This in World War II is another yes. one. Mm. That's a very bizarre movie that came out yep. with a very interesting soundtrack. Yes. Um, that's another example of where you like the music more than you like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> But right. um, a lot of great so things great. on that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some some things you wouldn't expect. Um, well, there are a few Bee Gees things, status, status quo doing getting mm-hmm. better. Right. Uh, mm. um, Frankie Valli doing it. Yes. Life. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I hear just... they're actually reissuing the movie fairly soon, too. I read that somewhere. You know, I don't think I've ever seen the movie. I don't think they. I don't remember the movie ever coming out here. Even I remember, you know, I remember the soundtrack, the album, but I don't remember yeah. seeing the movie. Wow! It was only in theaters for about a week. Yeah, <laughs> and that must, was it. Must have and, been. Um, yeah, I have the CD. They actually released it on CD not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, Peter Gabriel did a, a rather haunting version of Strawberry Fields Forever, yeah. mm-hmm. which I like on there. Yeah, all these all these artists, uh, Jeff Lynn's on there. Mm. Yeah, there's... I think Helen Reddy. <laughs> Helen <laughs> you know, Reddy. So... Talk about weird. Well, I mean, that's the greatness of the Beatles, that you can have this great cross section of artists, you know, all covering their music. Right. No, that was that was you know? that is a really good choice. Thanks, Ken. Let's let's, um, Alan. You're well. Actually, you know, I'm going to go to Al first because I know yours going to yours is going to be really eclectic, Alan. So I'm going <laughs> to save you save you for third. Yeah, uh, I, I I suspect that Alan's and Steve's are are both going to be very very eclectic, and also yeah. probably will deal a lot more with more recent things. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with uh, with go with uh, with a few of the uh, the the old classics, if you will. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people probably don't remember this, but um, uh, actually Aretha Franklin released uh, her version of "Let It Be" before. Oh yeah. Before the Beatles version was actually officially released, mm-hmm. and for people that had not heard either the, you know, the the uh, the acetate of one of the Glenn Johns versions on, on FM radio or had gotten one of those very, very early bootlegs. Uh, that was really their first opportunity, uh, to hear, uh, to hear the song. It was, uh, it was on, uh, an album called this girl's in love with you. And it was released in, uh, in January of 1970. So it's basically it's it's several weeks before the the Beatles version was was officially released, and uh, uh, as you would expect with a with a song like Let It Be, uh, Aretha brings her you know her gospel inclinations very mm-hmm. much to the fore there, and mm-hmm. it's, it's and it's a it's a wonderful version. I have to include Joe Cocker's with a little help from my friends. Oh oh yeah oh yeah. You know, uh, because you know, not only because it was a you know it was a huge uh, a, a huge FM. It wasn't really so much. Ken, maybe you can correct me. I don't think it was a really big you know chart hit. It wasn't. Yeah, um, I could look it up, but it wasn't that big at all. Right. Especially even she came in through the bathroom window. His cover of that, I think, only went to number thirty. Yeah. But I can look up whether or not um, his version of With Little Help charted that high. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. No, he didn't really have any any big hits until You Are So Beautiful. Yeah. As far as a as far as a high charting single, right? bathroom bathroom uh, uh, or a bathroom window only went to number thirty uh, yep. with a little right. help, with a little help. Didn't chart. Period. Yeah. Or didn't get to the okay. didn't get to the top forty. Yeah. I haven't pulled out my my uh, bigger book that goes all the way that goes deep but it didn't make the top 40 so but it but little uh, help may have such a strong presence in the minds of people our age because of the woodstock movie exactly it's in there and also yeah. uh, also um the tv series the wonder, wonder years. years Wonder Years, right it got a big boost from that show very much so don't kid yourself yeah. i mean i think the song okay. that version's become a classic in many ways i think because people heard it every single week on that yeah. show and do you know when this show was first streamed initially on netflix it did not have cocker's version it had another yeah. and right. and it wasn't until the dvds came out 
that they replaced and it. And they finally got the clearances because that's why that's why it took so long for the uh, the DVDs to come out mm-hmm. because they had to get you know the, the the getting the clearances was you know just a major nightmare. Right. You know. Right. So so it's not not at all surprising that uh, that they weren't able to get the the rights to with a little help uh, right. so, I, for so long. I, I can't watch the the Netflix versions because of that. Because yeah. The song isn't there. It's true. It's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. It's mm. one of those um uh and it's also it, it probably also was one of the first kind of I guess what you would call turntable hits that was created by FM progressive mm-hmm. rock radio because mm-hmm. you know it it wasn't uh, you know it really because it wasn't a hit single it really didn't mm. get AM airplay but it mm-hmm. got it got a huge amount of airplay even before Woodstock mm-hmm. uh, got a huge amount of airplay on uh, on FM radio and uh, and then, but as as Alan pointed out, absolutely the, the you know the the image of uh, of Joe Cocker and the Grease Band uh, with Henry McCullough, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, performing performing with a little help from my friends at uh, at Woodstock mm-hmm. is is absolutely iconic. And there are right. a couple of derivatives of that too, which would be um, first of all uh, Joe Cocker singing it with John Belushi imitating yes. Joe Cocker on right, uh, right, yeah. right. And also the version that uh, it's probably not available anymore for, you know, because these things get taken down. But there was one on YouTube. I'm sure you know which one I mean. With the, it's a YouTube clip of the Woodstock performance. Oh, and, yes. And they have subtitled it with what it sounds like he's singing. And it's right. very funny. Oh, really? I, 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 that, if I've seen it, it doesn't ring a bell. I mean, it, I don't remember it, but I, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Anyway, so back to you, Al. Uh, uh, next uh, is <laughs> definitely a contrast, and this is uh, Emmy Lou Harris's version of mm. here, of Here, There, and Everywhere. Uh, uh, it's uh, I mean that that that's the kind of a of a recording and and song, the original. Uh, that's very very hard uh, to top, but um, but Emmy Lou nearly did it with this lovely simple acoustic version of of here there and everywhere it's uh it's it, it's wonderful and if uh you know it's it's well worth your attention if you know check it out on youtube or wherever or wherever else it's uh it it's really wonderful um mm-hmm. then there's another one now it's very seldom that uh that a beetle that a cover of a beetle song is becomes kind of the standard version of the song, but I've always felt that the Mamas and Papas version of "I Call Your Name," yeah. which was on their first mm-hmm. album, if you can believe your eyes and ears, mm-hmm. um, I, I've always felt that that is the kind of the standard version of of that song. Interesting. You know, uh, mm-hmm. thanks thanks largely to uh, Cass Elliot's uh, wonderful vocal, you know, backed up by Denny Doherty. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's it's you know it's very different in in, in substance. It's very different from uh, from the Beatles version, but it mm-hmm. but I've always felt that it's um, kind of it, it in a way it tops it. Mm. Wow. That says a lot. Yes. <laughs> if you say it's better than the Beatle version. Yeah. You know, it's very hard for me to ever say that about any cover as much as I love certain covers. Very so. much so. Absolutely. And uh, and the last one, of figure, why not throw a curveball? <laughs> and this is actually an album. Uh, it's an album that came out in the spring of 1964 by uh, a studio aggregate Called the Holly Ridge Strings. Oh <laughs> wow! Called uh, the uh, the Beatles Songbook, and for a lot of us who um, uh, you know who were you know first generation fans, uh, we discovered these recordings uh, in the fall of '64 when Capitol put out uh, that two disc or two two LP uh, documentary called The Beatles Story. The the instrumental backings on that album were all from that first Hollywood Strings album, mm-hmm. 
and they're they're just they're they're wonderful because what they do with uh Stu Phillips did the the arrangements uh mm-hmm. on that album and the succeeding series of albums that the Holly Ridge Strings did of uh, of the Beatles songbook and um his arrangements emphasized the melodies and that's you know I've um, I'm a melodist, uh, you know. In mm. in uh, it's say in you know in Alan's uh, in Alan's territory, I would I would always prefer say Mozart over John Cage, mm. you know, because I like melodies, mm-hmm. you know, that that sort of thing. And that album showed even with the very early songs, even even something like I Want to Hold Your Hand uh, or All My Loving. Uh, you can see just how how wonderful the melodies were on those those very early Beatles songs, and so that's a, it's an album. And the funny thing is, back in the I guess it was in the eighties, I think uh, I forget the label, but uh, there was a you know a, a, a kind of a reissue label that put out a best of the Beatles songbook, <laughs> and Pete Howard who at that time was the the publisher of the International CD Exchange, which mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure Alan remembers very well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, it, too. Oh, sure. He did the liner notes and basically sort of came out of the closet to say, to say that he was a closeted fan of the Hollywood Strings Beatles recordings. <laughs> and, so, so, and so then I did a review in Beatle Fan, of that CD and basically came out of the closet myself. (laughs) 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 Wow. So, you know, so if you can get a hold of, uh, uh, I'm not sure if the CD is still available, but if you can get a hold of it, uh, it's well worth your attention. Uh, Just a couple of uh, of honorable mentions. Uh, Ken mentioned one of them, and that's Robert Palmer's uh, version of Donna's Second Time. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's actually, there's not, a, not a lot of, uh, if, you know, if, if you want to say that there is a Beatles song that is quote unquote obscure <laughs> or not all that well known, not a second time mm. is probably one of those. Mm. And so just for the, for there to be a cover of that alone was, you know, something of an achievement, but, uh, but Robert Palmer actually, you know, he put his own, he, he very much put his own stamp on uh, on not a second time, and uh, not Ray- a second time is of yeah. course the one with the Aeolian cadences. Yes, this is true. <laughs> That's true. By the way, uh, the Pretenders covered not a second time. Mm. Uh, it sounds exactly as you would imagine Chrissy Hine singing it. Yeah. what it would sound like. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Robert Palmer's not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Can I mention one more Please. that I forgot? Go. And this was only because I got to see this guy in concert not too long ago, and he did this song live. Gary U.S. Bonds. Yeah. And he made his big comeback with uh, the help of Bruce mm-hmm. Springsteen, and he put out his album called Dedication. Right. One of the songs on that album was his cover of It's Only yes. Love, which I love. Yeah. I mean, if anything, going back to what you just said, Al, he, he kind of really brought out the melody of the song yeah. and how beautiful the melody is. And it's mm-hmm. very soulful. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that song when I heard him do it live. And then I investigated the studio recording, and I love it. And I put it into my show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And since I do a show called Every Little Thing, yes, I should mention yes. You do? Of course. Yeah. Every Little Thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime you tackle a Beatles song and you do it in a progressive rock yeah. format, you know, and... Yes, did it so well. Yeah. Um, love everything about it. You know, there's a lot of work they pour into every song they do. If you're in a progressive rock band, but I've always liked that version of Every Little Thing. Yeah, that is a good version. Yeah, that is a good version. Yeah. In fact, that's, all right. Well, I have got a couple, couple more. Go ahead. Um, one is have to include this Ray Charles version of Yesterday. Mm. Uh, which oh, yeah. was one oh, uh, one of the first. I mean, obviously, as as soon as the song came out, it seemed like everybody fell over themselves trying to cover the cover the song. But one of the first really effective covers of Yesterday was by Ray Charles. 
mm-hmm. who brought his uh, again, as 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 in the case of Aretha Franklin, brought his uh, his his church uh, background in uh, to into the song, and it's just um, just a wonderful soulful version. And uh, and then the last one is um, is Judy Collins' version of "In My Life." Mm. Oh yeah, which oh, yeah. is the title song of the album in which she kind of moved from being sort of the 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 second folk Madonna along with uh, uh, Joan Baez into moving into some more contemporary areas and moving beyond uh, just the folk the folk arena. Uh, even even to the point of actually using you know using rock musicians on that album, although not on in my life, but she did a just a lovely lovely reading of it, which was the title song of that album in 1966. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank hmm. you, thank you, sir. Sure. Okay, um, Mr. Cozen. Okay. Um, for the record, there is also a version of Not a Second Time by a really great Norwegian jazz guitarist named Terje Riptal. And I see as well there's there's a version by someone called Magic Arm. I've got no idea. It's on my on my iTunes list. I've got no idea what it sounds like. It's it's on one of those Mojo compilations. So I, I wanted if you could indulge me for a minute. I've I know it's a really difficult um, subject in a way because um, on one hand, you know, 10 years ago, I had no interest in covers whatsoever. And over the last few years, they've really been growing on me and I've been collecting them. And there are so many incredible ones. And, and you got, and I've, I was talking to you uh, before the show about uh, my iTunes playlists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I have two, covers playlists um, for group and solo stuff. Um, One is cover compilations like I Am Sam and Motown Sings the Beatles and things Mm -hmm. like that. And the other is, you know, either whole albums devoted to the Beatles by one artist, like say Andy Timmons, Sgt. Pepper, things like that. Or when I run into uh, an album elsewhere on my playlist that has a Beatles cover in it, I drag it over to that playlist too. So it's, it's, an interesting combination of stuff. And I was just scrolling through the, Oh, I should say that the, the second one I mentioned with, of full albums devoted to Beatles things has 1998 tracks. Uh. <laughs> and, the, and the covers compilations one has a uh, 1200 some odd. And there's obviously going to be some crossover, uh, but um, I was just scrolling through the full cover album one and was just amazed at what I saw. And I just wanted to mention some of these things um, before doing my, my personal picks. The earliest one on this list is Del Shannon's for me to you, which sure. uh, came out here mm. before the Beatles version did anyway, you know, so as you know, George Martin or- and his orchestra put out several Beatles albums early on. Uh, right. I, I, I try to get these chronologically when I have some time. I put this in- list into a chronological. So we're in 1964 now. The Chipmunks sing the Beatles. Uh-huh. Uh, oh my God. Then the Holly Ridge Strings, more uh-huh. George Martin. Okay, this is one that actually would be on my list. Uh, 1965, Chet Atkins picks on the Beatles. Yes. Okay. Chet okay. Atkins is an extraordinary guitarist. Um, I don't even know whether you classify him as jazz or country or I mean he he just can do anything mm-hmm. and 1965 he did a whole album devoted to the Beatles obviously it's early stuff uh yesterday is on it of course um but it's mo- yesterday and Michelle but it's mostly 1964 stuff mm-hmm. um and it's you know it's beautifully done it you know it has an awful lot of character and uh you know I, I, it showed a a different side of what could be done with Beatles stuff, as did the next one on this playlist, Joshua Rifkin's Baroque Beatles. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is, mm-hmm. has always been one of my favorites um, because Joshua Rifkin at the time had, was just a couple of years out of Juilliard and he was working at Electra Records as sort of a staff assistant. 
And I don't think it was his idea. I think Jack Holzman, who ran the label, came to him and said, what do you think about this? Mm. And the idea was to do Beatles in Baroque style, but not kind of schlocky, off-the-cuff Baroque style. Um, Joshua Rifkin actually is a Baroque scholar and also uh, ragtime. Um, but most of his career has been devoted to, you know, very heavy Baroque research. I mean, he's come up with some interesting theories and information that nobody knew. And, uh, but at this point, just out of school, he puts together these incredible Baroque arrangements of the Beatles. It's as if it's a piece of Handel, but he's switched the theme with a Beatles theme. And he got as an ensemble, all these other people who had just come out of Juilliard at the time and who then went on to be fairly big soloists. I mean, the flute is Paula Robeson's on it, other people. Um, and it's an incredible album and it's very funny as well. I mean, there's a, the last piece on it is, uh, a quadlibet. A quadlibet is a Baroque form that has several melodies at once going on, intertwined around each other. And Joshua Rifkin noticed that there's also a quadlibet at the end of Goldberg variations, the Bach Goldberg variations. And what he noticed was that the theme of one of the one of the themes in that quadlibet, the Bach quadlibet, begins with the same four notes as She Loves You. <laughs> and so he hmm. did a quadlibet with the She Loves You and a couple of other songs. Otherwise there are cantatas and you know it's so persuasively done that there's been times when I've had friends of mine from the classical music world over to dinner and played this record and it didn't occur to them until maybe the end of side one that there was something a little strange about something weirdly familiar about the themes but they didn't know quite what it was uh, so yeah okay going down the list um Count Basie, The Beatles' Bag, 1966, a whole album from Count Basie of The Beatles. The Brothers Four did an album. Mm -hmm. um, I'm skipping the ones who are, like, unknown. Uh, the Supremes did a bunch of Beatles covers. Um, mm. And a lot of the Supremes covers are on those Motown Sings the Beatles type of compilations. One song that did not get onto any of those compilations and which I just found on vinyl here in Portland is I Want to Hold Your Hand. Um, they put out a, a sort of a, a Liverpool tribute. Um, it's not right. all Beatles. It's it's, it's right. five. Right. A bit of Liverpool. I have. Yeah, I have. I have the whole album. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually do. How do you do it? Yeah. Took me ages to find that album, and um, I just got it like three weeks ago. <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's actually really good. It, it is. Good. It is. I have uh, it on my phone now. I mean, and and I don't have that much space, and it stays there. I really like it. I think um, Ken mentioned uh, George Benson across Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a predecessor in Booker T and the MGs. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, Macklemore Avenue. Right. That was an incredible right. album too. Booker T and the MGs all through. They they did a number of Beatles covers, mm -hmm. um, but this one is, uh, you know, this one is. I mean, the CD reissue I think throws on some of the earlier ones too in an unreleased version or alternate take if you can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was actually a good piece of work. Uh, okay, then we get right. into more straightforward classical things like. Um, the 12 cellists of the Berlin Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Guy named John Bayliss. Classic oh, yes. I have that. Yeah, I Bach that. beats the Beatles, and he also did another one called The Beatles at Abbey Road. What John Bayliss would do was he would take a Bach theme and a Beatles theme and work them together. And I have to say, I mean, I, I've seen him live. I saw him live in like a pub situation where he would walk around, you know, and stop at your table and ask you for two pieces of music, one classical and one mm. Beatles. And then he would go sit down and he would, we, you know, it could be Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. You could give him some difficult stuff and obscure Beatles tracks. He, he did decline to do Revolution Number no. 9, I have to admit. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, he would just sit down and do it. He was that good. He was a very good improviser. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the King Singers did an album of the Beatles. Um, okay, 
Aki Takahashi, Steve and I were talking about this last week. Yes, yes. Aki Takahashi is a Japanese pianist whose specialty is contemporary classical music avant-garde stuff. But she decided as a project that she would commission just about every composer she knew, and she knows a lot of composers, to do an arrangement of a Beatles song. And she came up with some incredible stuff that has filled four albums worth of, of uh, well, they're called Hyper Beatles. The series is called Hyper Beatles. Um, and there are four volumes. I have three. Can't find the fourth anywhere. But uh, there's, for instance, John Cage didn't do a Beatles song. He decided to do Beatles 1962 to 1970, where he took bits of just about everything. And, and it, you know, being John Cage, a lot of it was sort of up to what the performer wanted to do at the moment. Mm. It's an eight minute piece. Um, Terry Riley, one of the founders of minimalism, did a piece called wow. The Walrus in Memoriam. And that is a, a really good set of piano variations on I Am the Walrus. Alvin Lussier, who is an electronic music composer, did a version of Strawberry Fields where what he did is he played Strawberry Fields on the piano in a sort of interesting arrangement first, recorded it while he was playing it, then put the recorder in a teapot <laughs> and played it back. <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, she's, like I say, avant-garde, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, another interesting aspect of this album is that, um, she got the right to do this only under the condition that the composers not get any of the royalties. The Beatles got all the royalties for this project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, there's... Big Daddy, Sergeant Pepper. You remember oh, that? Oh yes, yeah. sure. Uh, that's fun. It's a that's a really fun concept. Mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 may be, I may be the only one here that doesn't like it. It's not. It's not one of my favorite cover albums. Yeah, really. it's Sergeant Pepper in Beatles uh, in fifties. Fifties, uh, right? Yeah. Not quite motifs. <laughs> yeah, it's in fifties style. No, it's kind of it's kind of novelty esque. Yeah, yeah. It's novelty esque. You don't listen to it a lot, but it's fun to hear now and then. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really executed well. Because from what I remember about it, like you get with a little help from my friends, but the lead vocalist would sound like Johnny Mathis yes. singing. Mm -hmm. You know, so and that yeah. takes talent yeah. right there. Sure. So it's a very unique idea what they did. There's another really good Baroque set. Uh, this one from 1992. So it wasn't a new idea anymore, but from uh, Peter Briner. Who's a conductor? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Fish did the entire White Album live mm -hmm. uh, and yep. put it out as volume 13 of its series of live concerts. Did they actually put that out wow. legally? I've yeah. Seen I've seen bootlegs of it, but I didn't know that. No, I'd... it's out. It, it came out oh. as part of that, um, part of that series. Okay. Uh, just skipping through these, um, Gurren Zulcher, really, really mm -hmm. good classical guitarist. He plays mm -hmm. on, I think, a. I think he plays on a 10-string classical guitar, did uh, an album called Here, There, and Everywhere uh, mm -hmm. with really nice arrangements, Eleanor Rigby, Fool on the Hill, If I Fell, I Me Mine, a lot of good songs, played beautifully, and some of his arrangements I've heard in other classical guitarists' recitals as encores usually, um, but so they've been picked up. And uh, as we know, there's a, a more recent classical guitar uh, entry from uh, Milos Karadaljic. I, I guess Karadaljic, maybe he pronounces mm -hmm. it because it's Serbian. Mm -hmm. that, you know. uh, now, that's a less sort of pure classical guitar version than Goran Zolcher's. I mean, he's got some people singing. Tori Amos sings on it. He's got the cellist mm -hmm. Steve Inicialis, uh playing on... Um, uh, Michelle and things like that. It, it's I, I, I really I actually prefer the the Gurren Solskjaer one. Okay. Judy Collins did a, a full Lennon McCartney. Mm -hmm. album. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, another great two more great jazz guitarists that come to mind. Uh, Tommy Emmanuel did. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, also, he did a great version of Michelle. Yeah, I recall. Yeah. yeah. And a sort of medley of Day Tripper and Lady Madonna. Mm -hmm. And outside the scope of this show, he did Imagine as well. Mm -hmm. 
and but another one, you know, Bill Frizzell. Uh, Bill mm -hmm. Frizzell's a great guitarist, worked with Elvis mm -hmm. Costello, um, he does all kinds of things. And he's put out um, in recent years a series of live albums recorded in various places of just acoustic guitar. And almost every single one of them has a Beatles cover or two on it. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a, a fantastic player. Okay, more jazz. Um, Beach Boys have done a few, and now that there is a, an expanded version of Beach Boys Party out, there's like you know all the outtakes. So there's like right. three right. versions of "I Should Have Known Better." Yeah, uh, those were fun. The Persuasions. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, what's their name? Well, so, what did the Persuasions do? Um, the Persuasions did. Uh, they did. They did Called yeah. the Beatles, Profession Sing the Beatles, Eight Days a Week, Oh Darling, Come Together, Rocky Raccoon, Little Hell, oh, wow. Oh Bloody, you know. Oh, and there's another one I should mention in, in passing. I mean, it's not a full album's worth, but it's it's uh, four tracks actually on Richard P. Haven's 1983. Remember that album where his sure. face is green? And uh, that was a great oh, album yeah. at that time. And it's got Strawberry Fields, Lady Madonna, She's Leaving Home, and With a Little Help from My Friends. Yes. And, and he was another one of those guys who could take a song and – make it into a Richie Haven song, no matter who did it. And uh, he was particularly fond of Dylan and the Beatles. Right. And of course, the only, the, the only uh, hit that Richie ever had, uh, mm. the only hit single he ever had was a cover of Here Comes the Sun. Right. Was, I was just going just gonna to mention that. Yeah. He, did it at, he did it at Woodstock. Yeah. So. And then there's Flaming Lips. Or I think as they the the flaming lips, right? <laughs> <laughs> the flaming lips and their friends. <laughs> I, I can't mm. remember you know, how they put it, but they did a full cover of Sergeant Pepper with a bunch of um, sort of guest shots. Uh, I have that's one I have not heard. I heard mixed reviews. What did you you liked it though? I did like it. Um, I like okay. Flaming Lips. Um, okay. So you know they're they're a very inventive group. I mean they did a. I, I, I enjoyed hearing it, um, but I mean, I've, I probably have only listened to it once or twice. Um, but yeah, you know, also just scrolling through the list, I'll go back to the top. Um, shortly after that, Del Shannon from Me to You, mm -hmm. still in 1963, Petula Clark doing Please mm -hmm. Please Me in French. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, just scrolling through this list just sort of reminds me of, you know, how many people have devoted a full album or, you know, some of their best tracks to, to this stuff. And uh, so let me say, I wanted to mention my list itself would have been Rifkin Takahashi. Uh, I would have also included the Smithereens. I think Ken sort of um, touched on them. And they, they yeah. of course, did not a second time as well on, on mm -hmm. their that is, that's interesting about Patua Clark though, because she covered a Beatles song before they were internationally, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest band in the world. Right. Yeah. So she recognized them early on. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and she, it wasn't like they were given, like she was given the song. You know. Yeah. She heard it. She covered it. So. That's right. Uh, I would mention U2's Helter Skelter. I thought that was pretty good. Um, here's another, an Indian band called Monsoon. Ah, you stole that one. I oh, I'm sorry. I'll leave that one. I love that one. That is a great one. Yeah. It really, really what, is. What song? Um, Mara Never Knows. Okay. They do it as, you know, I mean, they've got a tabla going, female vocal. It's sort of like halfway between here and India, and it's it's a really good version. Yes, yes, it really, it really is. That is one of my all-time favorite songs, absolutely, without yeah. a doubt. I love that. So I think that was the only one left on my list list uh, that I didn't touch on just going through the the playlist here so i will now turn it over to you steve <laughs> having okay. stolen one of your <laughs> you did not mention and i'm shocked you did not mention kathy barbarian oh right what is wrong with you ah uh, probably because it's not on cd and i haven't i haven't um, done a transfer of the lp yet so it couldn't end up okay. on these playlists yeah it's uh, right i should kathy, have thought <laughs> kathy barbarian for those who don't know was an opera singer uh, who put uh, who put out an album of Beatle covers in nine? I believe it was nineteen sixty four, and I mean she did. They were really 66. over sixty six, and they were really over the top, incredibly over the top. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that Doctor Demento would play. But uh, yeah, is it is it in the in the in the field of say Mrs. Miller no, style? No, not it's not nearly not as bad. It's actually she was actually a good. I mean, she was a respected singer, and I still don't know why she went. Well, obviously because probably got some attention, but it was great. Um, she loved the stuff. Um, she was married to a composer named Luciano Berio, who okay. Paul has mentioned in interviews back in his uh, days of talking about the avant-garde. And okay. Luciano Berrio did some of the arrangements for her. Ah. He did not like the Beatles. But <laughs> he, he did it because she wanted them. And <laughs> yeah, It's on YouTube. The stuff's on YouTube um, uh, for anybody that wants to check it out. And it's well worth it. it when you listen, you're either going to love it or, or you're going to be laughing. You're, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Anyway, let me get to mine. I have some... I have most of the stuff I had. You did steal Monsoon because I was going to mention that, but I have a bunch that you didn't mention. Let me start with somebody you probably know, uh, Alan Afra Harnoy. Oh yeah, cellist. She's a cellist. Um, There's an album um, she did called Imagine that obviously has uh, both. It has mostly Beatles songs. Has a couple of solo songs. Imagine is the title track, but she did the first uh, cover version that I'm aware of of "Free as a Bird." That is absolute. It leads off the album and is absolutely beautiful because Mm. it's basically her and the and the cello doing the without any backup, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. It really, really is. Um, So that is. Uh, I love the whole album because I was listening to it the other day, and I again I pulled it out after having not listened to it for a long time. But that's got to be one of the ones I mentioned. Another one I was going through my my collection today, and I have a pretty good size collection too. And um, I just pulled out a bunch of things. Aki Takahashi, Takahashi when we came up with this idea um that was one of the first thing i I mentioned and alan mentioned it so i'm not gonna go but that's a good one um going through my my stuff i um i found uh something by the la workshop alan you know who that is no they put out two cds called norwegian wood Hmm. and the first cd that they, they have there's different people on on both of them uh i should say the group is different on both not completely different the first one has I'll hold off mentioning the common person to both uh, after I mention the players uh, on each one. The first one has Lee Rittenauer, Ray Parker Jr., Joe Pasquale, and Tom Scott, who was a friend of played with George. Second one has Joe Sample, Lee Rittenauer, Eric Gale, Richard T., and Ernie Watts. And the one person in common with both, Steve Lukather. Oh, and I, oh wow. This is 1988. So this is way before... Ringo's uh, um, uh, All Star Band. So anyway, those are those are really good. Another one uh, I meant I mentioned when we started uh, when we came up with this idea was Louis Van Dyke, who does uh, who put out a whole CD called Louis Van Dyke plays Lennon and McCartney is e is basically E Power Beaks meets the Beatles. It's cool. just as as it is, it's just as over the top as you can be. You know, you can be a couple of these uh, Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight. I know are on YouTube. I absolutely adore this album. It's hilarious. It really, really is. Um, so that's another one. One that I'm uh, another one that's really hilarious is by a group called Layback. Anybody know who oh, Layback yeah. is? They're like some yeah, Eastern European. Metal, have you, uh, yeah, grunge metal band yeah. that uh, put out an album called Let It Be, and they did the whole Let It Be, remade the whole Let It Be album, <laughs> and it's that's another one that's really over the top. But let me get on to some some good ones. Um, Candy Flip does yep. a Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. another really good, really really good one. The Residents did. Is it a day in the life? Yeah, um, in, in the, the Valley, Valley, of, Valley of a Day in the Life. Yeah. That includes mm-hmm. Beatles stuff yep. that is, that is absolutely, it's really, really good. One that I, I do seriously love is a Beatles collection by Neil Hogan, a uh, solo guitarist. You mentioned uh, um, uh, another one. If anybody, if any of you know the New Age pianist, this is a guilty pleasure. The New Age pianist Giovanni, he did a, he's done a couple of CDs of Beatle mm-hmm. covers. I'm probably the only one that would like this because he does a real hokey kind of echoey, New Age, uh, New Age piano. Um, 
So I like I, I do like that. Another one is Count Basie's uh, ba- Basie's Beetle Bag mm-hmm. that came out mm-hmm. in I believe that was '64. I had the Chet Atkins in my pile because um, I pulled out a whole pile of stuff. Another one is uh, Bach to the Beatles, and the only reason to mention this is because it has Stefan Grappelli on it, who I absolutely, absolutely love. Mm. I love anything that Stefan Grappelli does, and the fact that he actually did Beatle covers is incredible. Another guitarist to check into is named Stephen King with a V. It's not the author. It's This is somebody else entirely. Put out a whole series of Beatle cover CDs. He's a, he's a, he's a classical guitarist also. He's a very straightforward classical guitarist that really I really love. But the number one pick, and and I've been raving about these guys since I did the uh, Abbey Road site because uh, I this is when the album came out, or they have two CDs actually, is a group called Eleanor Rigby's Experience. Uh, hmm. the, the Eleanor Rigby Experience, and I wrote about them, like I said, back way back in the eighties. I'm trying to find because I I called it up here. Um, oh, here it is. It had they have an ELO connection because the the group had Mick Kaminsky from ELO, Phil Bates from ELO too, and Tina. And these guys are basically Steel Ice Band meets the Beatles. And if you yeah. like Steel Ice Steel Ice Band, you'll love the, the way that they do these. And I, the only problem is I think the CDs are long, long out of print. I didn't see them on Amazon. I don't know if they're on Amazon UK, but they are really, really good. Um, like I said, when I, I got to know Tina, uh, the lead singer, and uh, it, the, the stuff is just absolutely incredible. And that is really my favorite Beatle cover, ver- Beatle cover album of all time. That right there. And uh, mm. so I didn't. I, yeah, I mean, I was pulling out CDs. The you know the, uh, the last uh, earlier today and uh, there were just so many things to mention that you know that weird stuff good stuff I mean uh, I believe Jeff Beck did she's uh, leaving home uh, that's another she's a woman she's a woman he did she's a woman yeah I mean there's just so many you know there's so many covers we could sit here and we could spend two hours and this this is probably yeah. another show that we could do a second. A second uh, uh, show on. I mean, there's just so many, and people. I know we're going to get a lot of people saying, "Well, you didn't mention this, this, and this," and, and yeah. there are just so mm-hmm. many. Sure. And they'll just, be right. And they- you know, someone could easily do a, a weekly Beatles podcast show and just play covers, yeah. oh, absolutely, and never repeat. It'll go on and on yeah. and on. And um, I just want to mention a few things because some of the things that you guys said triggered a few memories mm-hmm. of mine. But you were talking about some of the jazz artists, and I remember when Ramsey Lewis yes. did Hard A Days Hard Day's Night. Night. And I don't know if, if you guys liked his style because it's very much like you're walking into a bar, yeah. very low-key, mm-hmm. very relaxing. It's kind of like if you know his version of the in-crowd, right. it's very mm-hmm. much like that. Right. So uh, I always liked that version of A Hard yeah. Day's Night. Also, uh, recently, Roberta Flack put out a, a CD right. of all Beatles mm-hmm. called Let It Be Roberta, right. and it's all Beatles covers plus one solo song, which is Isn't It a Pity? And she's one of the great singers. Um, I am. Viola did a, an incredible guitar record of Beatles stuff in 2013. Mm-hmm. Aldi Viola. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to be missed, mm-hmm. even though we okay. missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> Also, there's a piano player named David Lanz, mm-hmm. oh, yes. who uh, I interviewed when he when he uh, put out put out these a couple of CDs I, of just Beatles covers, um, all instrumental, very new age-ish, very beautiful yeah, stuff. Yeah, I interviewed him too. Uh, yeah, it is really good. That is really good stuff. And one odd thing, because I use this in my show, because I did an all acapella set on the Beatles, but there was a collection that came out called Come Together, an acapella tribute to the Beatles. And this was on Hot Lips mm-hmm. Records mm-hmm. <laughs> back in 2001. And so it's uh, a lot of bizarre Beatle covers here. But if you like hearing it done a cappella, it's really mm-hmm. cool. I always liked when Bobby McFerrin, oh, yeah. Um, he yeah. did Black From Me to you. you. Yeah, I think he did Drive My Car also. Yeah. So uh, I like when a cappella arrangements are done to Beatle songs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that it? Well, there's Wachti. We'll have to do. Well, there's every what? Year of, every year of Wachti, they're a Brazilian 
group. Um, you might call them a jazz group. They've worked with Philip Glass. They've done all kinds of things. Uh, it's it's you, it, it's almost Brazilian folk style too. It's got wooden flutes, all kinds of things. They did a whole album of Beatles stuff in I think 2012. Great stuff, great arrangements. You know, got has that you know sort of tropical, but not that tr- not like not like salsa tropical. It's sort of mm-hmm. laid back tropical. So there was another there was hmm. another tropical um, album, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. That had that had that uh, was really really kind of cool. I can't remember it now. There was tropical tribute to the Beatles. There, that's that. Well, that's, <laughs> I think that that's the one. Yeah, and there was some there was some great stuff on that. You know, for, for all this, you guys have each mentioned something that I don't have and haven't heard. So, like, I've got to go get some some more. <laughs> and, and, and also, you got to mention because it what because it was so popular. There's Elton John's version of oh, Lucy of in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. Which went to number one, and I liked it because it wasn't just exactly the way the Beatles uh-huh. did it. Slowed down a bit, and there was even a, a reggae bit in there right. too. So, uh, yeah, I like that version. And, and just a historical note, since uh, Alan and Steve both mentioned uh, Chad Atkins' picks on the Beatles, uh, the liner notes for that album were written by one George Harrison. Oh. Ah, thank you. Very yeah. interesting, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Hmm. Okay, well, this has been. This, I think we covered quite a lot yeah, here. We covered quite a we lot. We probably cover a lot more in another hour, but I think I think uh, we have come to the end of the road. In any event, um, let us lighten the pips. Th- there we go. There we go. <laughs> or boys yeah, to men. All right. That's right. That's right. And they covered yesterday. Yeah. So that's right. Go. That's right. Well, Dylan, thank you very much. Uh, this was. This was a lot of fun. I had I had a blast. Um, I hope you uh, out there listening did too. And uh, send us your send us your Beatle covers that we missed. I know there were tons of them, and uh, we would like to hear from you. Um, you can write to us at uh, things we said today radio show at gmail dot com, or you can catch us online. Um, I have a Facebook page. We all have our own Facebook pages. Um, Alan's under Alan Cozen Remixed. And we'd be glad to hear from you all. Um, and I have my own website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. Okay. And um, Al, you have any uh, anything to leave leave us with? Uh, just the uh, you know the usual. You can contact me through uh, Facebook at Al Sussman or on Twitter at at a sus forty nine or www dot uh, com or www.paradingpress.com. Okay. Um, You're supposed Alan? to mention your book, Al. Yes. <laughs> Parading Press 4, <laughs> Changing Times, 101 Days to Shape the Generation. Yeah. Okay. Alan, uh, you want to say anything? Uh, no, I'm fine. Uh, I'll mention my book next week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, till next week, I have no idea what we're going to talk about, and either, and, and either do any of us, but we'll be back with... Something. Whatever with something, not that something. By the way, one song I forgot to mention: Frank Sinatra's version of something. Darn it! Sure, Jack. There we go. Yeah, Jack. That's right, <laughs> Jack. Anyway, we better get out of here. Um, anyway, we will talk to you all next week, same time, same station for things we said today. This is Steve Marinucci saying, "We'll be back next week. See you next time." Bye.